Go Loud presents Murder Most Irish. Sometimes when I'm at home and my mother listens to Shannon Side Northern Sound. That is my mother's favourite radio station. Coming in your ears. Yes. She loves it. They're all like, oh, what are we going to do about the cattle on the road? That kind of stuff. And uh, do they do the deaths? Death notices. Death notices. I think it's three times a day. Correct me if I'm wrong, country people. Um, And my mother will go, shut up, the deaths are on. And she'll turn it up and she'll be like, oh, I think I know her. I think I know him. And then she'll ring Trace and go, do you know blah, blah, And she'll be like, yeah, but that's a funeral. I have to go to that. Oh, so it's so like a social It gathering. is like a social thing that they have to, like, death notices are so normalised to me that when I first met Gar. They're not normalised. And I explained what that was. He was like, that's not normal, no. Anna. Now, we have a version of it. Not so much anymore. But it used to be the Evening Herald. Oh, so, so you, you get the Evening Herald and you go around the back of the Evening Herald and the deaths are in there and you'd be like, oh. But it's not bad though because RIP.ie is taking over now. Yeah. <laughs> that's got the, that's that's got the monopoly. Heard, I've heard <laughs> of like fucking employers checking RIP.ie when you say your granny's <gasps> dead. Yeah. But what if someone doesn't put it up on RIP.ie? Apparently they're all registered on RIP.ie. <laughs> that's mad. I've heard them be like, yeah, check the RIP.ie and your nanny wasn't up there. Yeah, because she was a fucking... Protestant Yeah she's not on your dirty Fucking Catholic website Get off We're atheists That's crazy She's buried out the fucking back But that makes sense though Like that they would Because in, you know Your trail Your your digital footprint Digital trail is footprint um, But yeah my mum Shout out Shannonside Northern Sound uh, I don't think they can sponsor us I don't know if they have any money But they love talking about the They have no money They love talking about uh, Very serious matters That no one else in the country Would think is a serious matter <laughs> That's the love. They love the death notices. They love a little bit of Declan Nerney. Push back the kitchen table. Put the chairs against the wall. That's one of his songs, I think. That's his Santa Claus song. Push back the kitchen table. Put the the chairs chairs against the wall. For the hours just past midnight and Santa's sure to call. That's one of his songs. She loves that one. There's loads of them. I like that one. You know this one? Stop the world and let me off. Yes! Everybody in Longford, they love a bit of Declan I think that's Declan Ernie. I'm going to Google if I can see Declan Ernie's net worth. No, I don't think so. Come on now, take a guess. Declan Ernie. Declan Ernie. Jeez, look at him there now. Net worth. Show me. Net worth. It's coming up. He was born in Drumlish, County Longford. He was brought up on a small farm and has a passion for vintage tractors. His niece, yeah. Una Healy, was a member of the band Saturdays. I was in a trouble. She was in a trouble. Sorry, what? With the wrestler, with the boxer, not the wrestler. Uh, he's worth apparently half a million. I oh, don't half a that. million? That's not that Country one. star and bitter row over one million euro ghost estate. Tell me about it. It has all the ingredients of the sort of ballad Declan Ernie might sing. Land, money, Old friends on a bit of falling out. This is an article written by Christian McCashin. Oh God! Um, she's in a trouble. Explain that to me now. She let me let, let me find the the situation here okay. on the internet. You fill in the the fill in the empty space. Um, 
Uh, I have constipation. Oh, do you? It's not going to I'm going to fill it in a fucking different way, but surely. I tried everything. Nothing's working. But I've I'm tried my a smoothie. I haven't got my period. That's what it is. I had orange juice today. That didn't work. That's how I knew it was bad. She was in a trouble with David Hay and his girlfriend. And they like weirdly like kind of announced it but didn't announce it did they tell people yeah but they didn't deny it and then there was this picture surfaced around the internet oh oh no yeah like an actual trouble I simply would not allow a man that much pleasure now can I just tell you look at her fucking abs oh she got them abs she got them abs it's the nerny jeans it's the nerny jeans so anyway singer singer Saturday singer Unahini puts trouble rumours behind her. So she said that she, like, regrets, like, people being aware. But the trouble is over. It's done. Yeah. It was a very short-lived trouble. Up. Yeah, I don't, um, I, I imagine it, I imagine it was. The real reason Unahini ended her unconventional three-way romance, the Daily Mail. Yeah. Couldn't you just guess? I bet you actually, Unahini raises eyebrows over trouble holiday photos, guess the newspaper. Sunday World. Yes! Yes! Let's see, let's see. David Hay is in a trouble with Una Healy and Sheehan Osborne. Sheehan Osborne? Yeah. Is she any relation to the Osbournes? No, I don't think so. I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't allow a man that much pleasure in my life. I'm like, no. Una Healy ends trouble with David Hay deleting all traces of boxing. Oh! All for social media. Yeah. Gone. Does that, do any of them have children? I don't, I don't, yeah, she does. Wasn't she in a relationship with like a rugby star or something in Ireland? Oh no, this poor kid. Saturday singer Una Hayley. Yeah, anyway, she was in a trouble. Imagine the uh, way Scooby, like, your ma's. <laughs> your ma's in a trouble. Your ma's in a trouble. Your ma's in a trouble. Here, <laughs> what position does your ma play in the trouble? Because that is the type of shit you'd be mm. getting in school. Well, fair play to Una Hayley. Six degrees separation, she's Declan Lurnies. Nice. There you go. We've talked. We've made so so much content now. Have, hello, everybody. Thing. Welcome to this week's episode of this, whatever it is. Uh, I need to explain today to someone about the podcast. Well, do, you. How many people? Stop telling people. <laughs> someone said to her, "Sarah Jane has a podcast." Right. She then came up to me and said, "She didn't come up to me. She didn't like come up and say, hey, Sarah Jane, can I, I hear speak about podcast, yeah. We were sitting down together, and she was like, "I heard you have a podcast. I love true crime." Okay, and I was like, oh, "Okay, great. What true crime podcast do you like?" She named a few. I didn't know any of them. I said, "We're like, oh, we're nothing like that." I said, <laughs> "I said my podcast is a very specific type of true crime podcast." I said, "One, it's shy. The beginning of it, there's a lot of talking, lot of about gabba gabba. Mine and Emma's." terrible opinions on things yeah and we do and regularly incorrect opinions also no education on our opinions no and I am such a narcissist that I assume <laughs> everything I say is correct and right and there is never don't listen to us a reflections moment we never look back and we and never so, go in fact when Graham tries to give me feedback on it <laughs> oh I tell oh, him no. there was feedback trying to be given last week it was not it was not going down well so that's the first begin- that's the beginning of the podcast which is literally the first half yeah the next bit is the story, mm-hmm. it's like, which we research and we do all of that because we don't want to be sued. Don't want to be sued. Right? And we know when we don't for plagiarism and all no. that. So we put the receipts and who gave us what and where we got it from. Great. Right? Brilliant. We're pros at that. We've been doing it long enough now. Pros is not the word I used. Um, <laughs> and then I said, at the end of the song, I said, it depends on... What type of case? What type of case. Sometimes there's not a song if the case is too dark. And she was like, right. I was like, so if that's not for you... That's totally fine with me. Sling your hook. You can stick with the ones you've got. Sling your 
fuck? And she said, do you listen to podcasts? I said, I do, but I don't listen to true crime ones anymore because I spend two weeks of my life every month researching same. true crime. Same. And the exact same I haven't listened to true crime in ages. But I feel like I probably should because I could probably learn some things from them. Yeah, that's true. I was listening to a, actually a true crime podcast a while ago. I can't remember what it was about. It was these two girls doing it and they were so good. Oh, really? Like, just so professional and so aware of what they were saying and what they shouldn't say. And I was like, oh, this is how you do it. And then there's us. <laughs> and there's us being like, no, he definitely did it. <laughs> and you're like, cunt. Cunt. Everyone's a cunt, 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 cunt. Um, I just want to say hello to somebody. I want to say hello to a lovely girl named Lauren. I got a tooth gem last week with it from a girl called Erin who's also amazing. Her thing is called Crybaby Dub if you're ever considering cry it. Crybaby Dub. Crybaby Dub. She's the most gorgeous cry person. Crybaby. Cry, 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 cry. That's it. Um, and her friend Lauren is apparently a big fan of our podcast so I just wanted oh, to say hello to hi, Lauren. Lauren. Uh, I hope you're keeping well and it was so nice meeting your friend. Tell um, your friend to listen to our podcast too, Lauren. No, she's got better things to do. No, Lauren. She's too cool. If you are a real fan you'd make everybody listen to us. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, hello, so Lauren. Hello to Lauren. That's all I wanted. Thanks to say. for supporting our podcast. Yes. Um, and I know how that place looks cute. You sent me it's pictures. It's adorable. Uh, it's sorry, Matt, at you and Kimmage. Really nice. And Emma now looks like Harry uh. from Home Alone too. Uh, I look like every time he goes, "Hey kid," Ding. until he loses it in the end. Not the ground He's like, "What's this? We just uh, we just left our child alone here in this yeah. house." And, uh, and I didn't. Tr- I me as the father wasn't too perplexed about getting back to the United States to make sure my son, my eight-year-old son, was okay. Yeah, but I think there's a lesson to be learned in that. <laughs> she was like, I gotta get home! Ah! And yeah. he was like, I'm just gonna go to the apartment in Paris. Would you like to know where there's lessons to be learned go in that? Go, cons. Well, I wouldn't go that far go in on. the lesson. The lesson is... I go further. Is... Call them all. All of the money and the time she spent and the panic. And he got home behind her. Literally, I tried to be inside her. But the lesson to me was... You didn't give a fuck. Yeah, but that's you. <laughs> and your pessimistic ways. He was like, mm-hmm. I think we're going to leave men alone this week. Look, she saw she gave away her watch, her ring, ring her earrings. Her earrings. But the woman didn't take them. No, only for John Candy stood in and said, hey. You know, John Candy didn't get paid for that movie. And it was all ad-libbed. Yeah, all ad-libbed. And he was like, hey, can we get this van with a bunch of strange men you don't know? Yeah. And she said, you know what? My son is home alone and I will do that. I will risk this. While Mr. What's his name? Kevin. Lannister. Whatever. McAllister. McAllister. He was like. Lannister is the fucking Game of Thrones name. What's wrong with my brain? <laughs> he was like, let's, uh, let's go get some fucking frog legs in Paris. He didn't right. give a fuck. I think you need to leave him alone. No, I hate him. He's off, man. I'm going to. I think. He's off, uh, man. Everybody do a poll. Did you like or dislike Mr. McAllister? Did you like any of the Miss Callisters? Because I think if I was Kevin, I would never want to see them again. It's true. No, his mum was nice. Fuck off! He was a little shit. He was a child. I put him in the act. This is why I can never be a parent because I would have put him in the act too. I wouldn't put him. Look what you did, did, you little jerk! She let that man talk to her son. That yeah. No, that's how my aunts and uncles used to talk to me. Are you serious? That's how I used to be spoken to. There was no, like, my mother going, no, don't talk to my child no, well, like that. that explains why you're so, yeah. a rip-roaring cunt. It explains why I'm A, really mentally ill, and B, doing great. <laughs> Those two things together. Yeah, well, that explains a lot. We all, everybody has a creepy uncle. Do I have a creepy uncle? I had a creepy uncle. I don't really know my uncles on my dad's side. I had a creepy uncle side, no, on one side. 
Yeah. Did you get lots of Easter eggs? <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got mm. an Easter egg in the car for you. I saw a video she put up today, actually. She's coming up my feed now since she's she started talking about Where she put up like her picture from her school magazine and they called her Andrew instead of Andrea. <laughs> Very <laughs> She's very, very good. She's um, very good. If you any uh, old house, housekeeping. Housekeeping. Yeah. I have no housekeeping. Nothing. Nothing. Let me just check, and I'll see. You got nothing. Uh, do I have anything? I'm trying to have a look at our Instagram here to see if anybody said anything that I was meant to say. Oh yes, we're working on the live show. Uh, it's coming to fruition. I'm um, just uh, waiting for some stuff to happen and then I'm going to confirm we're going to confirm the date but we're hoping it's happening it's going to be in September we're just not confirming the date yet just to make sure everything's in place and set up and all okay Um, but yes we will let you know further on exactly what date it's going to be so yes that's yeah. all I have I don't have anything else thanks to everybody for their lovely messages on Instagram thanks to everybody who's still supporting the Patreon we really appreciate it Oh, and I just want to say, I know we spoke uh, on a Patreon about apologising to Damien Rice, but we're very sorry, Damien Rice. And we're very sorry to all of the people that sent me tweets or Instagrams or TikToks or Facebook about being like, I really like TikTok. And all, I'm not sorry to uh, Frank Ocean. No, fuck Frank Ocean. Jerk. He pulled out of the second weekend because Mr. Ocean hurt his leg, did he? Shoving it up his own arsehole. Is that how he heard it? Delightedly pulled out. But apparently whoever played the end of Coachella was really good. Here, do you know who I really like now yeah. because of Coachella? Uh, Rosalia? Rosalia? Oh, she does that. Which really irritated me. But then I saw her picture, videos of her from Coachella and I was like, oh, she's really good. Yeah, she's cool. She's really good. And acne dressed her for Coachella and it looked amazing. Someone asked me, did we ever do Ottilie Patterson? Nope. No. We haven't done Ottilie Patterson. Um, I'm not sorry for what I said about Damien Rice I stand by what I said I don't think he's done anything to anybody but you know personally to me he's made me have to listen to his shit so I no 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 apologies to Damien Rice but I do wish him best of luck in the world um, about everything he's doing in life gaslighting women and uh, all that jazz I've, I've not, I don't think of any other things that people I have nothing Fiona Ophiak we're very sorry because we really did uh, make you feel bad about Damien Rice and Frank Osh we we <laughs> Both sides of the family were insulted. Uh, so we're very Apologies sorry. Uh, and, oh, and then Tell Patterson, uh, Patterson said, I just got a great idea for a segment for the Patreon. Agony Anto. SJ's dad giving Oh my God, that's a fantastic idea. Of wisdom. I asked him today, he said, yeah, he's in. Oh, that is a fantastic idea. Um, it's a surefire masterpiece if you ask me. Tell you, you're not getting any money. Um... <laughs> <laughs> he said he'd absolutely do it. You know what he's yeah, like. He'd love we should that. totally get him to he's do it. He's so That's arrogant. Amazing. I said... Uh, I see if he do it just so you're aware he said he has no advice that's worth taking. No, but it'll still be hilarious. Uh, he has a boil on his neck the past two weeks. Isn't that gone? Uh, it's, you ever see How to Get Ahead in Advertising? Yeah. Wait, Richard, it's like that. He's grown another head. Is he not getting... He's put so much magnesium like uh, poultice on it that I think it's like now in it. And then oh, he was Sarah, like, today he was like starting to ooze. I said, it's going to go into your blood. He's going to get sepsis. Like I said, he you're needs going to go to a fucking doctor. Um, oh, look what I got. 
Yay, hair dye! No one, you have to be... Vi- Emma, she came. I don't know how many times I have to tell you. This is not a visual media. Oh, I got you hair dye. explain what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, but I'm only explaining to you because I wanted to tell okay. you about it. I don't tell okay. these pack of fucks. Okay, just true. Who don't give me any money! Um, Tucker Carlson is gone. He's gone. They were like, he wasn't fired. I'm like, yes, he was. Ding dong, the witches. And dead. the reason I know he was fired is that if they came to a mutual decision, he would have got a final episode. He didn't get a final episode the last episode of Friday. Fired. He was fired. And Fox News were like, no, 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 we didn't fire him. No, 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 no. I said, someone texted me today to say, sent me the link, and I said, the only way this day could get better is if Rupert Murdoch would die slowly <laughs> on the TV <laughs> so I could watch it. But, like, the frustrating thing about Fox News is, though, they're going to use him as a scapegoat for this Dominion thing now. Mm. But he was spouting that bullshit, but they were letting him spout that bullshit. Emma and they were like pumping it into email the channel. Yeah. From yeah. Rupert Murdoch himself. Yep. So Being like, like, we're aware we're losing our base, yeah. continue to spew it. And the difference now is, and to be fair, it's the difference for all fucking news outlets that are on TV. It's led by the internet. What's popular on the internet yeah. is what keeps the 24 hour news channel cycle. alive. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm not coming for fucking liberal media, but liberal media is just as but, bad. But the thing about it is, in terms say, of playing the same yeah, thing over and over again, and most media is internet. owned by like four companies in the entire world. So, I mean, Rupert Murdoch, well, you know like, that man is here. Evil. To everybody watching Succession, talk about it. Talk about it. Just talk about it, so I can see it. Talk about it somewhere, so I can see it. Everybody's talking about it on TikTok. So invested in Succession, and this season is like oh, balls to the wall, man. Bunch of white people. Terrible white people doing terrible things. Just doing terrible things, and I'm I've like, I've seen a yeah. tip with what's the Culkin guy, Karen Culkin, uh, talking to it must be his dad's girlfriend. She got long black hair. Yeah, French. yeah. He's so mean to her. He is such a terrible, awful thing person. But then when you realize how he was brought up, you're like, oh, you're he's so damaged. Like, and then I seen a scene. Oh, I'm sorry if I'm ruining it for people. No, it's fine. It's but a- I seen a scene where the dad hits him. Oh yeah, that's and not then really for anybody. And, and then they're in the car. Yeah. And he's pretending like it never happened. He gaslights Roman, like Roman constantly. Like they did. Roman had such horrific shit to, done to him, but he loves his dad so much and he wants his like attention so much that he just lets it all go. Like it's fucking crazy. Everybody talk about Succession. Okay. It's really good. Everybody watch yeah, it. I'm when are you going to watch it? I'm, watch, well, I'm, cur- I'm currently watching The Marvelous Miss Maisel because that's where my headspace is. Oh no, that's good. That's a nice lighthearted <laughs> And Lenny Bruce is in, well, a character that plays Lenny Bruce. Oh yeah? It's completely like oh, not she's true comedian, and misrepresented. Right? But like, I love Lenny Bruce and it makes me happy. And I've decided oh. that my next little filler tattoo is going to be Groucho Marx. Cute! Uh, where are you going to get I don't know, I have to find a space, but I just love Groucho Marx so much. I, I wish to get tattooed in front of All of the old Groucho Marx. All of my old uh, Marx <sighs> Brothers stuff. I don't want to um, uh, get tattooed. Keelan, if you're listening to this, don't tattoo me. <laughs> don't do Please it. Please don't tattoo me, I'm just not. Don't do it. It'll be fine, though, because you're coming. I'm Yay! taking a day off to hold your hand. I'm so delighted. So you don't have seven million breakdowns. I probably will still And we actually though. get you there. I probably will still Well, not take a Valium or something. No, it's fine. I'm just going to put the numbing cream on and I'll be grand. I'm it's not just... on about the fucking pain. I'm on about the mental health effects it has for you oh, sitting there Oh, because I'm looking so at my, when my body is out? Yeah. No, I, I'll be okay. I'll be fine. I just have to get on the table and then when she doesn't try and like move me around too much, I'll be fine. She shouldn't because all the outline's done. Yeah, that's true. So I think she should just be like, on my, I'll mm. be on my front and then she'll be like, me. me. Anyway. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. That's the end of uh, the intro. Hey, Colin. Tell us about the Patreon. Sure thing, Lily Pops. 
Hey there, MMI fans. It's me, Colin, and do I have news for you. It's all going down over at www.patreon.com forward slash Irish, where we've totally revamped our Patreon offering for you mega fans. That's right. Now all of your favorite Patreon stuff can be found in one place as we bring you our MMI Super Show exclusively for Patreon, featuring all the usual banter and chat between Emma and Sarah Jane, plus me thrown into the bargain, along with Lily's Tales, Maximilian's Bell Bag, and some surprises along the way. But that's not all. Every single week, due to popular demand, we will be bringing you a full-length story, whether it be Miscellaneous Most Irish for those cases that just don't fit on the main show, Murder Most international for those cases you guys have been crying out for or even music most awesome where we talk about our favorite albums but wait there's even more how about mmi drive the fan favorite podcast show where emma and sarah jane drive around dublin talking about all sorts of shite plus our monthly ask me our segment where you get to pick the brains of the girls and maybe even ask me a question or two so what are you waiting for come on over to www.patreon.com for forward slash murder most Irish and join in the fun for only six euros a month. Give my mommy six euro. Uh, okay, so we're going to do my story. Uh, Emma, please. actually, God love Emma. She's written two stories this week. <laughs> she wrote a story and then realized that someone would sue us if we did it. This woman loves a bit of litigation. Luckily, I googled her and then I was like, you know, what? I'm not doing this. It's the mother of the chap who murdered another guy. And I was like, because mm, she was very vocal. You know, they mostly most parents of people who have their kids are murderers they tend not to be that vocal because they don't want to kind of get involved in things she's quite vocal and i was like i don't want her to sue me so i had to write a second case so um this case i'm going to do i'm trying to think it's only trigger well there's trigger warnings for a sectarian violence and very very brutal sectarian violence like horrible like 26 shit. plus six equals Give it back! 26 <laughs> plus 6 equals 1! Um, so yeah, I am going to do... I'm going to talk about the Miami show band Massacre. Oh my fucking God! So that's my case for this week. And my references are from Wikipedia. Anto Heffernan. Anto Heffernan. Anto Heffernan used to gig during his time. He that's knew mad. this band. It's crazy. The Belfastmedia.com. Uh, Wildgeese.irish, which is like a blog space. IWM.org. And I got a few things just from random like Irish independent articles that I'll link here. So, as I mentioned, trigger warnings for sectarian violence. There's no, no mentions of anything else, really, just that. Um, okay, so I'm going to start. 1960. Picture it. Unfiltered cigarettes. Mouth cancer. The world was overtaken by the sounds of four young men from Liverpool who would capture the hearts of millions of people around the world. The Beatles entered the music industry and changed everything, including how young Irish people would spend their evenings and weekends. Dance halls began to open with thousands flocking to them in the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. Um, as Ireland is and was a relatively small country, and at the time not many popular bands would travel to the island, musicians began forming bands to pay covers of the popular songs of the decade. And these bands became known as show bands. So before this, there was like big bands in the like 1940s and 50s, which were just primarily instrument based. So it wasn't like there was no like vocals and things like that. And people would do like those little like 1950 jigs to the bands. So that changed in the 60s with the onset of the Beatles. And so the basic repertoire of these bands would include, as I mentioned above, covers of popular songs, as well as standard dance numbers. So they're all those like, you know, jigs. I can't stop loving you. 
So Showbands became incredibly popular in Ireland with such big acts as Showbands, Clipper Carlton, the Royal Showband and the Dixies. And they, these bands started to branch out and they were traveling overseas to the UK, America and Canada with continued success. So they weren't only in Ireland, they were going across the pond. So one such band who were described as having, quote, Beatle-like devotion were the Dublin-based group, the Miami Show Band. They were formed in 1962 and during their 13-year tenure, they traveled around Ireland as well as Northern Ireland in the infancy of what would become the Troubles. So... Like they had like a few different iterations of their band that was different members. Dickie Rock was a member. Yeah. And then they'd all say, Spit on me, Dickie. That's what the women shouted out. Spit on me, Dickie. Spit on me, Dickie. So the group's popularity. Here's me knickers, Dickie. <laughs> the group's popularity in the North was not only credited to their music, but also their refusal to be a politically charged group or a group who ultimately cared about religious affiliation. So they ignored all of that. Yeah. Like, we're not going to go up here preach to anybody. We just want everybody to enjoy the music. <clears throat> like, they weren't Rage Against the Machine. They saw many lineups, lineup changes from 62 to 75. Today is the anniversary of Rage Against the Machine getting banned from Saturday Night Live. Gas. For putting upside down American flags <laughs> on set. Like, how tame is that? Do you know what I mean? Fuck you, I won't do like, what you tell but me. But like, remember they did the BBC as well, and the BBC cut them off halfway through because they, yeah. they were like, they were like, don't swear. <laughs> like, you're telling them not to swear. And Lauren Michaels was like, oh my God, never again. We can't have upside down flags. So um, there's so many lineup changes from 62 to 75, with one member, Paul Ashford, please, being asked to leave the band in 1972 as he voiced his concern for the safety of an Irish group playing regularly in a deeply tumultuous Northern Ooh, Ireland. Oh, so he knew. By 1975, the lineup of the band consisted of league vo- lead vocalist and keyboard player Fran O'Toole, who all the ladies loved. Oh yeah, no, he was very cute. He was 28. He was a Catholic. What? I said to Daddy, we're doing the Miami Show Band on the podcast. Any inside Gus? He said, very good. And now he's just <laughs> writing messages. Bubbles. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was the lead singer of Friano too. He was 28 and he was Catholic. Guitarist Anthony Garrity, who was 24, also a Catholic, and he was from Dublin. Trumpeter Brian McCoy, who was 32 and a Protestant from Caledon in County Tyrone. Saxophonist Des McAlee, a.k.a. Des Lee, was 24. He was Catholic and from Belfast. Bassist Stephen Travers, who was 24, he was Catholic and from Carrick and Shore, County Tip. And drummer Ray Miller, who was a Protestant from Antrim. Okay, so... They were a diverse group. They were, and that's what they did. They were like, we don't care. Like, they specifically went up to the north to get northern musicians that they knew would not be like Protestant because they didn't care about that stuff to play with the band. So O'Toole and McCoy were both married and each had two children on the way. And another one of the members had a child on the way as well. So as the men continued touring, it would seem in a cruel twist of fate that ex-member Paul Ashford's fears would come to pass in the most tragic and horrific manner. So they binned him. They were like, he just basically said, listen, I don't want to go to the North. It's not safe for us. And they were like, well, we're going to the North, so you have two choices. Dad was gigging during this time. Yeah. And he would go to the North. And um, my dad said that like, he has, actually he's got loads. So he used to gig with a guy called his name was Symbian. Symbian? We all called him Simbo. Simo. Yeah. And he said they'd get up, pulled over on the border, which was really common, and they'd give their names and they, they'd always get taken out of the van because the police just assumed hmm. Simo was taking the piss. Yeah. Or they didn't think that was his actual and they, and name. And he was, my dad was like, I got to the point where we all made up names. <laughs> uh, uh, Jeffrey Rogerson. 
So although formed as a Dublin band, the Miami decided to hire many northern musicians in order to create a harmony between the two warring factions of Catholics and Protestants at the time. So they wanted people to feel comfortable coming to the gigs, basically. That's what they wanted. Okay. One journalist called the band ruthless in achieving their fame and popularity, that they would take over slots of other groups and make sure that they were the first band to be booked at most venues. So Fran O'Toole was the lead vocalist in the 1975 lineup and was recognised as one of the main reasons for the group's success. He was young and good looking with a great voice and his popularity with the ladies was well known. Everyone loved Fran, former band member Brian McGuire said. You know you'd go into halls and the tea ladies would make sure he got extra sticky buns. He just attracted people to him. Sticky buns are an actual bun. I don't mean that, like, you know. Would you like me doing to, stuff to tell a joke? Because <laughs> like they're an actual bun, like a sticky bun, like a confectionery. So Steve Travers, another former member, spoke of the group's guitarist, Anthony Garrity, quote, Tony would be, have been highly respected as a guitarist as, say, Gary Moore. And of course, like myself, he joined the band to pay his mortgage and buy a new car and live the high life. Now, bear in mind, these people owned houses at 18 years old. Owned oh, show bands made yeah, a lot of money. Yeah, made a fortune. Paul Ashford spoke of trumpeter Brian McCoy joining the group in 1967. He said, Brian was an absolute gent. Everybody loved Brian and that was his character. So with their new 1975 lineup, the Miami show band took to the road. The band covered the hits of the 70s and this iteration of the group became the most popular with fanaticism compared to that of the Beatles. The band said they loved playing venues in Ireland, but Belfast held a special place for them. Uh, the North was always wonderful to play. We love it, Steve Travers said. To go to Belfast was lo- like going to a mini London. People in the North loved our music. At the time, the north of Ireland was considered far more progressive and trendy, so the band had to make sure their sets included the most recent songs on the charts. Even for such a progressive city, Belfast was slowly being torn apart by constant and devastating bombs by the IRA. The counties of the north of Ireland experienced in a span of three years some of the most heinous attacks, including Bloody Sunday in 1972, The Ulster Volunteer Force and Ulster Defence Association carried out shootings of Catholic civilians and bombed bars and pubs in Belfast. In 1972, nine people were killed in a series of bombings by the IRA in retaliation to Bloody Sunday, which became known as Bloody Friday. These events are just some of the some that were shaping the terrifying landscape of 1970s in Northern Ireland. People in Northern Ireland were told that if you wanted to go out and enjoy music and the nightlife, they would be doing fully so at their own risk. Isn't that terrifying? Yeah, just being like, if you're going out, you might die. So, <clears throat> so in 1972, the UVF, which is the Ulster Volunteer Force. So the Ulster Volunteer Force is a paramilitary group who were basically murdering Catholics, had taken a stronghold in an area journalists and the police called the Murder Triangle. Where was this? From North Armagh down through County Tyrone. Oh, the, the sec- murder triangle. The murder triangle. Sectarian area was le- illegally policed by the UVF. Yeah. A group, Detective Kevin Sheehy, called, quote, a killing machine. As the violence intensified, touring bands like the Miami had to become use- more used to intense military presence and the constant security checks they would be exposed to. It was just in a day's work, Roy Miller said. It was like going through customs and excise. We really didn't take it as a threat. So to them, it was like, you just do yeah, that my to get where you're going. Over. Do that to get back. It's whatever it is. Um, so the Miami and their promoters had a sense of freedom in Northern Ireland as they were seen as bringing joy and levity to an otherwise dark and threatening time. Most show band buses who passed through these checks were waved on as soldiers were aware of who they are, who they were and what they were doing. 
We were very aware uh, of what Norland Ireland was going through, Brian Maguire said, but we wanted to help in a way, let people have a fantastic night and forget about what was happening outside. And the Miami show band were right. The crowds remained in their thousands and nothing stopped people enjoying a night out. So we're going to get into what happened to these chaps now. So it's quite graphic. So on the 31st of July, the Miami show band played in the Castle Ballroom in Bambridge County Down. The gig went off as usual with a crowd of about 500 people enjoying the night. After the show, the band's drummer, Ray Miller, decided to stay with his family in County Antrim, leaving the rest of the group to travel back to Dublin on the tour bus. How fucking lucky was he? Yeah. Like. At 2am, 2am, the band left Bambridge and travelled on the dual carriageway towards Newry. 15 minutes later, near the junction with Bushkill Road, the band noticed a checkpoint and as had happened numerous times, they were flagged down. When asked by the men at the checkpoint to step out of the van, they did. The men, whom the band presumed were soldiers, asked the group to stand in line against the van, um, which, once again, they complied. They were like, no problem. When Brian McCoy told the soldiers they were the Miami show band, the soldiers began to banter with them, asking how the show went and which one of them was, quote, Dickie Rock. Dickie Rock had left at this point. They were like, which one is Dickie Rock? Brian McCoy told a slightly nervous Stephen Travers not to worry about the checkpoint. He said, don't worry about this, Steve. It's just the army. But Stephen Travers had noticed that they all weren't wearing the same uniform. And there was a slight difference in some of the parts of the uniform. And he was like, I don't think that they're the actual army. I think there's something else going on here. But then the guy who was actually from the area, this gentleman, Brian McCoy, who actually, one of his family members was in the UDR, was like, it's fine. It's just the army. It's just the army. Don't worry. A few moments later, another car pulled up at the van and a uniformed man in a beret and a posh English accent got out and he immediately took charge and the casual air of conversation ceased. So the banter that was going on ended when this guy got out of the car. So unbeknownst to the Miami show band, they had not been stopped by the UDR, which is the Ulster Force Regiment, which is the army, but instead the UVF, mm-hmm. which are just a bunch of fucking terrorists. Yeah. All the gunmen were members of the UVF's Middle Ulster Brigade and had been lying in wait to ambush the band, having set up a fake checkpoint just minutes before. Two of the UVF members opened the back of the bus and began to rummage around, and within moments the group were stunned by a huge explosion. Out of sight of the band, the two members of the UVF had planted a time bomb inside a suitcase under the driver's seat of the bus. The UVF's plan was to have the bat bomb carried to the Republic. They would then state that the band were in cahoots with the IRA and transporting explosives for them. Oh my God. The UVF wanted to embarrass the Irish government in the hopes that there would be even tighter restrictions on the border and this would stop any IRA members travelling to the north of Ireland. Faulty smouldering uh, meant the bomb exploded within minutes instead of hours. Um, so Pretty shit. They're just lying. It was placed inside the van. They were like, that's set for whatever. They didn't do it properly. Um, so the, when it went off, it like blew up the van. It killed UVF men Harris Boyle, who was 22, and a telephone wireman from Portadown, and Wesley Somerville, who was 34, <clears throat> and a textile worker from Mogashkal. Killed them instantly. Day jobs. Day jobs. They were like fucking like plumbers. And then at night they were like, let's put on our fake fucking army uniforms and, and go a, blow people up. Put a bomb in a band. In a show band's bus who you know who they fucking are. You, they just told you who you are, they are and you were having fun with them. So the two were blown across the road and completely decapitated. So they're dead immediately. Dead immediately within seconds. Completely dead. 
Within seconds, the bus, bus was blown to pieces and Stephen Travers said the whole world just turned red. He said just noise, like you know, that, mm, and just red. The terrorist opened fire immediately. So yeah, the rest they of knew the, they were yeah, like... Blindly shooting at the band members, most of whom were now laying in a field adjacent to the bus. So they were all just like blown across the road. Oh my God. Travers was shot with a dum-dum bullet. So it wasn't a real bullet he was shot with. He said, it was in my right hip and it exploded inside me. Part of it went through my body and my lung. <gasps> As the gunfire continued, so did the screams and the pleading of the men in the Miami show band. As the band lay in a field, three of them were now dead. Singer Fran O'Toole, trumpeter Brian McCoy and guitarist Tony Garrity. Brian McCoy was the first to die. He was hit in the neck, back of the neck with a 9mm pistol. As Tony and Fran tried to carry a heavily injured Stephen Travers to safety, they were both set upon. So they were trying to help somebody and then the UVF set on them. As Fran tried to run away, a UVF member chased him and Fran tripped. As he lay on the ground, the UVF member opened fire and machine gunned him 22 times. Most of these shots were directly at Fran's face face. and almost his entire head was destroyed. Tony also attempted to escape but was caught and shot twice in the back of the head and a number of times in the back. Stephen Travers lay immobilised as he heard his friends and band members plead for their lives. He is not sure who he heard but he heard one of them cry out, please don't shoot me, don't kill me. Travers played dead beside the body of his slain friend Brian McCoy. And he heard the UVF members walking towards him again. As I lay there, I heard someone on the road shout, come on, I got those bastards with bum- dum-dums, they're all dead. So he was pretending to be dead beside his dead friend. Like, What's a dum-dum bullet? It's just like a fake bullet. They had dum-dums and then they had actual bullets. So, you know the way the car- army carry like plastic bullets? Yeah, but like what's, why, if, because the guy's like, I got them all with dum-dums. He got, are they worse than bullets? I don't know, but he got Travers with a dum-dum and then he got. But it exploded inside him. Exploded inside him. But he got, the other two, they were like machine gunned. Like, oh um, yeah, no, that man was shot. Yeah. The thing I always remember is just the detail of that guy being shot like in his face. They just blew his head off. Yeah. Um, so it was patrol's leader, James McDowell, who gave the orders to murder all witnesses to the bogus checkpoint to try and avoid the Irish government discovering it was the UVF who caused the entire atrocity. So he's like, just kill them all. They can't speak. And only that two of these men survived. There is a high possibility that people would have believed they were carrying bombs from the IRA. Only these two chaps survived. So who's the other man that survived? So it was Stephen Travers, Travers. and who's the other? Oh, uh, Des Macaray. So he survived as well. So I'll talk about him now. Okay. So saxophone player Des Macalia, I think that's how you pronounce his name, who had been blown into a hedge by the blast, waited until the UVM men left and he ran onto the road. So he was in a ditch. So he did the same thing. Which was on fire, by the way. The ditch was on because fire. Because the van exploded and the ditch caught fire and he was blown into the ditch. But he's like, I can't get up. So he avoided being burned badly. But he was like, I have to stay here because if I get up, they're going to shoot me. Oh my God. Like, what the fuck? Imagine that happening in the space of like two minutes. How would you even... It's fucking crazy. This idiot here would be up. <laughs> I know you would. Twice as much Like this moron would be like, who do you think I'm like? Yeah. So after having tried to flag down cars unsuccessfully, obviously people were like, fuck no. Yeah. We're not getting involved in this. A young couple stopped and brought him to Nuri police station. So he just thought everybody was dead because he heard them getting shot. So he's like, bring me to the police station. When the RUC arrived, which is 
the police force in the north of Ireland to the scene, it was one of utter devastation and carnage. They found a seriously injured Stephen Travers, body parts strewn across the field, debris, bullets, blood, and five dead men. Can you just imagine? Like, I just want to take it back to, like, people didn't stop. But can you imagine living up north at this time? They're driving home in yeah. the dead of night, probably from some event. Like an event I've been probably even like, seen as banned or something. And they just come across five dead men in yep. a field, a blown up car, a ditch a on fire. fire bullets and then, everywhere. Like, and, and the response, not from any, like, because my response in that time would be like I just want like if I was driving I'd be like Graham you're not getting out we're, no, not, we're stopping. not stopping like because it's the time but like just the idea of how like emotionally what? and tra- like the trauma, trauma you must experience to like and then to think what if this is a trap what if I get out what if I'm brought into and this and then to go home hmm. and try go to bed like what did I see and try get up to yeah. work, work tomorrow the like, and then tomorrow wake up and be like the Miami show band were yeah. like slain on the yeah. side of the road the gentleman <sighs> that I work with grew up here in the north and he told me like they would wake up to the, in the morning to the smell of burning cars and burning tyres that's all they knew like he said the amount of times he was on a bus going to a football match and you'd be pulled out of the bus with like a, a machine gun at your back it's like I was six. What the fuck did I know? Like it's terrifying, and this was happening in Ireland. People today think don't think kind of compute that. They no, because I always remember like because obviously we I grew up we grew up like as the troubles where essentially it was signing because the Good Friday Agreement like what w- like when I was growing up the Good Friday Agreement wasn't in place. No, but I remember we would like there were times where like my dad always gigged up north. He worked with Rob Strong. Rob yeah. Strong is from. Dairy. Yeah. And, uh, like, just the, like, worry of, like, yeah. like, is something going to come back? He was in Oma the day before yeah. the bomb. That's what I'm thinking. That's one thing I think that culturally for people our age, our concept of the troubles is Oma. Yeah, because my, like, what 100%. Like, yeah. So James O'Neill, the scenes of crime officer who was one of the first people to arrive at Bushkill, said, quote, just the smell of utter death about the place, burning blood and burning tires. Oh, God. As the forensic and ballistic teams tried to piece together what had happened, the severed arm of one of the UVF members was found 100 metres from the site. Now, the reason they knew it was the UVF member is that his arm had UVF ported down tattooed on it. Great. So they were like, okay, well, it was the UVF. Excellent. As much as you tried to cover this up, one of your members had a tattoo and it blew his arm off. So immediately the RUC began investigating members of the UVF. So, 12 hours after the massacre, the UVF released a statement. Wait till you hear this fucking statement when I tell you I was Chucky or not. Naming the two dead officers as Harris Boyle and Wesley Somerville. And did the Miami showman kill them? Is that what? Wait, were... The statement was entitled, Ulster Central Intelligence a- Agency, Miami Showman Incident Report. So, I'm going to read part of the report. A UVF patrol led by Major Boyle was suspicious of two vehicles, a minibus and a car parked near the border. Major Boyle ordered his patrol to apprehend the occupants for questioning. As they were being questioned, Major Boyle and Lieutenant Somerville began to search the minibus. As they began to enter the vehicle, a bomb was detonated and both men were killed outright. At the precise moment of the explosion, the patrol came upon intense automatic fire from the occupants of the other vehicle. 
Stop it. The patrol sergeant immediately ordered the patrol to shoot back using self-loading rifles and submachine guns. The patrol shot back, killing three of their attackers and wounding another. The patrol later recovered two Armalite rifles and a pistol. No, they didn't. The UVF maintains regular border patrols due to the continued activity of the provisional IRA. The Middlester Battalion has been assisting the South Down South Armagh units since the IRA 4 kill booby trap, which killed four British soldiers. These UVF members are being treated for gunshot wounds after last night, but not in hospital. The lies. It would appear that the UVF surprised members of a terrorist organization transferring weapons to the Miami Showband minibus. And they think w- everybody was dead. And that an explosive device of some description was being carried by the showband for an unlawful purpose. They thought everybody was dead. They thought they killed everybody. It is obvious, therefore, that the UVF patrol was justified in taking the action it did and that the killing of the three showband members should be regarded as justifiable homicide. The officers and agents of the Ulster Central Intelligence Agency commend the UVF on their actions and tender their deepest sympathy to the relatives of the two officers who died while attempting to remove the bomb from the minibus. What? They released this statement 12 after this, hours after this incident thinking everybody was dead. As Stephen Travers lay in hospital and Des Macalea dealt with the aftermath of their murdered friends, Boyle and Somerville were giving UVF paramilitary funerals conducted by Free Presbyterian Minister William McCrea. People in Ireland were deeply shocked at the horrific attack and the Irish government condemned the UVF outright, stating that they unequivocally did not believe the Miami show band were terrorists or transporting explosives for the IRA. The Irish government strongly believed the British were not doing enough to stop sectarian violence in the north of Ireland. No, in fact, what they were doing was encouraging it. Fran O'Toole, Brian McCoy and Tony Geraghty were laid to rest in their respective towns and cities as hundreds and some in some places thousands of mourners lined the streets. The people of Ireland were in shock and the questions of why and how this could happen needed to be answered and the fear of retaliation hung in the air. Because that's what comes next. Mm. Over the following month, as the REC continued to try and find suspects, two further and very similar attacks happened. So this bogus, this thing of setting up bogus checkpoints, mm. they did it again twice. The night after the Miami Showband massacre, a minibus carrying nine people on board was shot, killing five Catholic civilians at a bogus checkpoint. Whilst people in the area claimed this was the work of the UVF, the UVS once, once again blamed the IRA. Why would the IRA shoot five Catholics? Yeah. On the 24th... If anything, the IRAs love the Catholics. I love them. On August 24th, 1975... Two Catholic men, Colin McCartney and Sean Farmer, were stopped at another bogus check- checkpoint. Their bodies were found shot to death the next day. Oh, for God's The sake. UVF denied these kill- killings, again blaming the IRA. Now, the IRA stated vehemently that they had nothing to do with either of these events, which they didn't. Because when they do something fucked up, they're like, yeah, we did it. Yeah, no, we're really... They're uh, like, eee. The old Irish love to ring before something bad happens. <sighs> Here, lads. Yeah. I've done a thing. Listen, we've, this has happened. Then what the RUC believe were the retaliations began. So on the 13th of August, the IRA gunned and bombed loyalist Bayardo Bar in Belfast, Shankill Road. Specialists believe this was a direct retaliation to the Miami showband murders. Four Protestant civilians and a UVF member, um, Henry, Hugh, sorry, Hugh Harris, were killed in the attack. Two days later, on the 15th of August, DJ Norman Mooch Kerr was gunned down as he packed away his equipment in his car. 
Although he had no links to paramilitaries, he was a known friend of Harris Foyle. Harris Boyle, sorry, one of the UVF member- members who planted the bomb in the Miami Showbands tour bus. So he got so murdered. He just murdered for being his friend, look. In August 1974, the RUC began arresting people they suspected were involved. So Thomas Crozier, a serving UDA officer, UDR officer, sorry, which is the army, was first to be arrested. So they had people who were in the army. Yeah, that's really common. In the UVF. Yeah. It's and really then they common. were like, no. He told the police, uh, sorry, that on the night in question, he, along with other soldiers, were told to set up a roadblock. He also stated that he did not play a big part in the attack and that he would not name any names of his accomplices in fear of his family being murdered. So he was like, I'm not telling you because they're going to kill my family. On January 22nd, 1976, another serving officer in the UDR was arrested. Sergeant James Roderick from Lurgan was linked to the crime Wait, you hear this. As his glasses that he was wearing at the time were found amongst the carnage. So this is from Wiki. Tests done on the glasses, which were eventually traced back to McDowell, revealed that the lenses were of a prescription worn by just one in 500,000 people of the population. Oh, God. So that's how they found him. On October 15th, 1976, both Crozier and McDowell were found guilty. The judge handed down 35 years to each man, the longest sentence he could impose and the longest sentences ever imposed on a criminal in Northern Ireland at that time. Mm. He told the two terrorists that if the death penalty was still in action, that this case would have been tried in that manner. Oh. During the trial, surviving band member uh, Des McAlea had to move himself and his family out of the North of Ireland because he was receiving death threats. Oh yeah, I'd say so. Fucking crazy. So in 1980, five years after the attack, former UDR soldier John James Somerville and brother of bomb planter Wesley Somerville was arrested. He was charged with the attempted murder of Stephen Travers and the murders of the Miami show band members Fran O'Toole, Brian McCoy and Tony Garrity and was given three life sentences. Okay. It doesn't matter. All three men carried out their sentences in the Mays prison. However, in 1998, McDowell, Somerville and Crozier were released under the terms of the Belfast Agreement. Yeah. They were like, out you go. All three convicts admitted to being at the scene but denied shooting anybody. And to this day, no other people have been arrested in relation to the Miami Showban massacre. So the incident had a devastating effect on the showband scene in Ireland and Northern Ireland, with many bands too afraid to play shows in fear of paramilitary retaliation. In some senses, the death of the Miami showband was the death of the showband music scene completely. Mm. Dance halls closed all around Belfast and bands refused to play. Curfews were imposed and Belfast was essentially turned into a ghost town. Yeah. In December 2011, the Historical Inquiries Team, or HET, which was set up to investigate crimes which took place during the Troubles, released a report on the Miami Showband Massacre. In it, HET stated that Mid-Ulster UVF leader Robin Jackson was heavily involved, and he, along with British intelligence officer Robert Nerak, organised the attack carried out on the band, confirming what many had thought, that collusion between British intelligence, the UDR, and the UVF was taking place. Yeah. Narek died in 78 and Jackson in 98, so neither of them were brought to justice. Mm. During a press conference held by the families of the Miami show band, former round member Des McAlea said, quote, It's been a long time, but we finally got justice at last. Stephen Travers, who was also at the press conference, said, quote, 
We believe the only conclusion possibly arriving from the HET report is that one of the most prolific loyalist murders at the conflict was an RUC special branch agent and was involved in the Miami show band attack. So this guy, Stephen Travers. So he actually arranged to meet with the RUC and it was arranged through Reverend Chris Hudson, who was a former intermediary between the government of Ireland and the UVF, whose role was crucial to the Northern Ireland peace process. So he said, I want to meet with these people that murdered my friends. Yeah. And he did meet them. And he also went to Crozier's house to speak to him, but Crozier wouldn't answer the door. Yeah. So he was trying to get some fucking answers yeah. and some peace. Like these men are fucking traumatized. They have legitimate PTSD. Like. Yeah, yeah. So in 2011, Stephen Travers and Des McAlee were awarded £425,000 respectively in damages following legal action against the Ministry of Defence and the PNS, PSNI. The families and represent, representatives of the late uh, Fran O'Toole and Brian McCoy would receive £375,000 respectively. Following the case, Des said... I want a monument in Northern Ireland, whether that is in Newry or Belfast. It wouldn't be right to have a mon monument where the massacre occurred, as it is off the main road. I would like to have it in an area which is non-political. For me, these were three of the most unbelievable guys that you could ever meet. Fran was my absolute soulmate. We wrote all of our songs together. He was so good looking and such a good singer. And I knew if he got to America, he was going to make it. They are my three brothers and I don't want them to ever be forgotten. In December 2007, a monument was erected at Parnell Square in the memory of the murdered Miami show band members. And in September 2010, a stamp was issued to commemorate the band. And it was one in a series of four stamps issued by Unpost, celebrating the golden age of the Irish show band era from the 50s to the 70s. Both Des and Stephen have spoken openly about the effects this attack has had on them, both suffering from survivor's guilt and PTSD. Although Des and Stephen tried to reform the band, ultimately they felt it was wrong and that the spirit was completely gone. Mm. And that is the horrific story of the Miami Shoe Band massacre, which just devastating those poor people. Like the, the most shocking thing about that for me is how quickly it happened. Oh yeah. Within seconds, the bomb went off, they started shooting, like... And then for them to be like, yeah, we did it because they, yeah, we show band were bringing wet, weapons. fucking weapons across the border for the IRA. Are you fucking serious? And apparently people said that they attacked the Miami show band because nationalists in Ireland looked up to them so much. So they were like, we're going to like get this and this is really going get to get to them and piss them off. But it all backfired because they didn't kill everybody. Like one chap was in a fucking hedge, didn't even know he was there. And he like, got out and was like, yeah, so... It's sad and it's it's fucking frightening what happened in the seventies, like the sixties or whatever, whatever day they decided they're still doing it. It's just not as prominent. Um, like our country is riddled with it, riddled with it. Like yeah. generational trauma up the fucking wazzy, mm. you know. Um, so yeah, they're like it's it's an odd one. It's strange. It's bizarre. The whole thing is just sounds like a movie. It doesn't. It sound is one real. of those ones where like it is quite. Like a plot line. Yeah. It's a plot to yeah. a movie. They planted a bomb and then the, the timer wasn't right. In the bomb. Like, that's how fucking stupid they were. They put yeah. a bomb in and didn't soldier the fucking clock correctly. But, like, they would have killed them. That would have went off and they would have killed them. Yeah, like, regardless that, of where they're going to they, die. They would have all been killed in that, that night if they'd gone. If they'd driven and Like, if they put that bomb in and let them go, they all would have died. <sighs> and it would have been the UVF going, oh, that's because a bomb exploded that they were carrying across the border for the IRA. What? What are you talking Who about? Who sat down and thought of this? Yeah, no, some of these harebrained schemes, you're like... What the fuck? 
like. Because they're not an army. They think they're an army, but they're not an army. They're a bunch of fucking terrorists with machine guns. And plumbers. Like plumbers. Like, oh, he was a, he was a fucking slat layer. He was like, these ra- normal men mm. with so much hate in their hearts. But that is the thing, it's hate. Like, that they're like, we're going to kill a bunch of fucking Catholics for no goddamn reason. And Protestants. And Protestants, because we don't know, because we don't check. So we just willy-nilly start shooting and murdering everybody. Like, like the four, three, four members of that band were Protestants. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? But yeah, I remember my mum talking about them years ago when I was a kid and what happened to them. But I didn't really understand what had happened to them, obviously, until I got older. And then I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, I just remember it being like, like, obviously we weren't born then, but I remember my dad telling me. And then I remember when my dad would go up north, my mum being like, oh, like telling you about the Miami show band. And you'd be the fear like, is there. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, well, like, thanks. Good night. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> but that is like, that's what the one guy said, one uh, musician that from the from Belfast said. He was like, as soon as that happened, it was like, Belfast was gone. Yeah, no, it, and like, it, it, was it, it was this was thing where nothing. there was like, like, I think, if you don't know the show bands, it's hard to explain. But like, there wasn't, like, that's what people did. Yeah. And the yeah. show bands, like, no one, if you think about Ireland and how small we were, like, the Beatles yeah. came, came once. once. Um, no one came and they to came Ireland. To, and they to came play. to Dublin as well. So yeah, like, so they're, like, they came to Dublin in and the played North in the Adelphi, if I remember. Yeah. Um, like, nobody's going to the North, because no. one, it's in the Troubles, and people are scared. So, like, how, what you did was you went to see these bands that were show bands. Yeah. And yes, they had their own music, but they also played popular hits. Um, and it was how you went and they would tour the whole of yeah. Ireland all year they round everywhere. and like the thing about it is as well what the Miami show band had tried to do is kind of create that culture of we don't care where you're from and who you are and what your religion is we're all here to dance and have fun yeah. so when that happened to them there was a thing where people in the Republic of Ireland were like we want nothing to do with the North of Ireland we're not going up there yeah, yeah. we don't need them yeah. like that's what, and then the exact opposite of what they wanted happened yeah, yeah. and it's so sad and those chaps that survived it like. So my dad says the inside goss. My inside goss is Tony Garrity. Yeah. The guitarist was going out with Jerry Hendrix's sister. No way. So Jerry Hendrix is one of my dad's best friends who's a guitar player. Jerry Hendrix is related, actually, one of his sisters. You know the guy who's won the Oscars for <laughs> Avatar who's Irish? So there's he's won two Oscars. He went to Ballyfermot College. Mm-hmm. And he does all of the special effects for Avatar. And he's he's like one he's Jerry Hendrix's nephew. Hmm. So Jerry Hendrix's sister went out was going out with Tony Garrity when he was that murdered. Happened. Yeah. Um and then my dad has given us some advice. What's his advice? Shut the fuck up, say nothing. No, he's it's nothing about the trouble. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was a shut the fuck up. He said, uh, if you have a massive boil on your the back of your neck, don't let Sarah go near it with a needle. I said, fuck off. <laughs> and then he said, have a great show, ladies. Well, if you went to the doctor, Anto. Yeah, don't take any advice from my father. For fuck's sake, go to the fucking doctor. Um, but yeah, that is the um, my That was a really, really good... It's horrible, though. Uh, but it was a good... Like, you did a good job. Yeah, it's just sad. And it's a really sad one. It's that one's shocking. sad. There's nothing, like, even... But as you said, harebrained. Harebrained, hair-brained schemes. They were like, telling you about the time a uh, car got stolen in Ballyfermot near where I used to live with my mom and dad. 
and um, they were outside joyriding it and they were trying to like get the car yeah. guards chased them guards couldn't chase them the car rolled outside my mum and dad's house and the guy had his hand out his arm outside the car so he had his arm like up on you know the way people or the way they hold that? the top of the thing he's yeah. holding the thing and the car the car flipped Sarah. and rolled and his arm got like amputated essentially severed um, and that's how <gasps> they that's how they figured out who was in the car. They were like, we need a chap with one arm. The most recent person yeah. with one arm. So he got out and ran away. He got out and ran away. I was like, you've only got one arm. Your arm is on the ground. It's like the drummer from uh, Def Leppard. Def Leppard. I want me mum. That's what he says when he gets out of the car. Colin knows. Colin! Come here. What did the drummer of Le- uh, Def Leppard say when he got out of the car and his arm was falling off? I want me mum. <laughs> In the film. I want me Why mom. is there a film? Oh, there's the a Hallmark, film. Hysteria, Hallmark, like a story. Yeah. I want me mum. I want me mum. <laughs> um, but that's we're done now. We're, we're finishing up. Say goodbye to everybody. Bye, everybody. We're gonna get on to you about the live show ASAP. We'll let you know what's going on. We'll keep you abreast of the situation. Join the Patreon, you bastards! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next week. Say goodbye, sir. Goodbye, everybody. Have a lovely week. Say goodbye, Colin. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're done. When Mercury is in retrograde And therapy has lost its power She leaves the cat with Colin And she flies A Brazilian boyfriend called Flavio A boyfriend called Flavio Called Flavio It's Flavio Cooking with exotic spices Very good with all devices Teaching them all the lingo And don't forget about Mighty sausage of Sao Paulo Emma's mind's true liberation It's Flavio